We've been in a message series, and it's been a meaningful time, as we journeyed through the I Am statements of Jesus. He has made a number of them. We've considered them and have been made better by them because we understand Jesus a little better, a little more clearly. We know now even more than we did before that He is truly the I Am. And today we wrap that message series up in the book of Revelation. If you have your Bible, you might want to open it to the passage read a bit ago, Revelation chapter 1. And in this passage, the Lord is going to speak to us and share with us something that is very, very important for us to understand and us to know. Now, the I am statements are not brand new. Uh, They have happened in the Older Testament. They are very meaningful statements. God spoke to Moses and told him, when you go before Pharaoh, tell him that the I am, tell him that the I am has sent you. Well, to us, that might seem unusual, but we learn a little more about it even today, and it becomes more normal and more acceptable in our understanding about what is being said. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. Many of the people take their heritage and lineage back to the time of Abraham among the people that would be listening to these words. And so he says, no, I even go before that. And he says, I want you to understand that. So we've learned a lot about Jesus. He says, I'm the bread of life. He says, I'm the light of the world. I am the gate. He says, I am the way to heaven, the truth about heaven, and the life of heaven in heaven. He lets us know that. Last week, we looked at I am the resurrection and the life. Powerful passage where he states to us, I have power over life and death. And today, when we come into our passage, he's speaking to us, and he wants us to understand something very significant. He says to us, I am Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega, the first and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. And so he is letting us know that I am the beginning and the end of everything. He says, I am the A to Z, if you will, of all things in life. Creators and writers have used words to describe their movies and their books and all kinds of things that they have written. If you think back just a little while to when you were dating, or maybe you're dating right now, you may be sent letters. Back in the day of the Pony Express, maybe you send texts, but anyway you do it, you send letters put together to form words, and you allow those words to be able to communicate a thought and an idea. Singers use words. Teachers use words. Ministers use words. Doctors use words. Lawyers use words and charge you by the word or by the whatever. When you were born, your folks looked at you, and they wanted to know, what does he look like? What does she look like? No, we can't send them back. we got to name them something. And so then they came up with some alphabet they put together, and it is a word that is your name. And today you have a name that is put together from the letters. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And guys, when you propose, you probably use some kind of words put together from the letters from the alphabet to propose to the lady that is sitting by you today. And sometimes we have challenging challenging moments in our life, but we can put them into letters and words, D-O-U-B-T, A-N-X-I-E-T-Y, F-E-A-R, foreboding words, S-I-N. We may have dreams and hopes 
and we can put them into letters to form words, J-O-Y. And you can spell anything that could come to your mind. Today, some of you have an idea about a book you're going to write. You're going to use words. Some of you are thinking about a movie you may produce. You're going to use some words. Some of you are thinking about a business proposal you're going to put together. You're going to use some words. And Jesus says, I'm in everything. I'm with everything. I am through all things. Someone has said it this way. If you can spell it, you can tell it to Jesus. I like that. If you can spell it, you can tell it to Jesus. The scripture says to us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11, Christ is all and is in all. Everything in our life he is saying to us by letting us know that he's the Alpha and Omega, he is woven into every part of our life. And then in verse 8, we also notice that he is the beginning and the end. He's a creator of all things, and he is a judge of all things. Go back to Revelation 1 and verse 2. He says there, I am the first and I am the last. A.W. Tozer wrote it this way, from vanishing point to vanishing point. The mind looks backward in time till the dim past vanishes. Then it turns and looks into the future, full of thought and imagination until it collapses from exhaustion. And God is at both points, unaffected by either. He's at all of those ends. I was talking to my brother on the phone last evening. While talking to him, we were talking about what I was going to preach today. And I said, you know, it's amazing to me how you could have people come across the the news screen for a long time, and then eventually they just fade away. Some of you will know the name Michael Jordan, basketball and the Bulls, and you'll, you'll think about Michael Jordan. And when you think about him, he was in the headline of the news for a couple of decades. My goodness, we, we knew about Dr. J, and we knew Wilt Chamberlain, and we knew Larry Bird, but along came this guy. He was almost a freak of nature. He could do things we only imagined could be done, and he was able to do them as if life was a video game, and he was doing all kinds of things. But you know, now you don't hear that much about Michael Jordan. Some of you, unfortunately, are Yankee fans. <laughs> May the Lord have mercy on you. And uh, some of you are Yankee fans. I used to watch Sports Center sometimes, and I thought it was the Yankee Network. I didn't know it. After all, oh, it's not the Yankee. I thought it was the Yes Network. Sheesh, them and the Red Sox, all they could play. It was sickening. Because I don't like either team. I love them just enough to get to heaven. And if you like either one of them, God have mercy on you. You don't even need to waste my time. I don't. <laughs> but anyway, probably getting some comments online with that one, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't. Uh, you remember? Uh, you remember Derek Jeter? The only reason he made it to the Hall of Fame. You ready? Because he was surrounded by a good lineup, played in New York, and had all the media. I mean, you know, let's get real. If he was out in Kansas, they wouldn't even know who he was. But anyway. He's not in the news hardly ever, but he was on the news all the stinking time. And I do mean stinking. He was on there all the time. These people come along, and what about politicians? And what about ideas and philosophies? They come along, and ooh, everybody gets worked up about them, and we get the, the latest fad, and it's the latest thing. And nothing wrong with recognizing people. Michael Jordan was great. Jeter did an excellent job. Stayed on the field long enough. All these kinds of We recognize that, for real. But the reality is, we come and we go. Solomon put it this way, we're kind of like a vapor. 
If we were outside on a cool morning like we have the last few weeks, we could just go, and that's what our life represents as far as time on this earth. That's pretty humbling, isn't it? Pretty incidental in some ways. But not God. He is the beginning. Back to that vanishing point, just go a little bit further. There he is still. Vanishing point future, go a little further because there he is still, unaffected by all that has happened in between. That's God. He is a beginner and a finisher of all things. In Genesis chapter 1, the earth was not. There was void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And he created and formed everything as we know it today. He created animals. He created you and the person sitting next to you. He breathed into us life. And we had that life perpetuated down through humanity the centuries. It's been absolutely amazing to think about what is going on with this life that we have. He created us and all the awareness of us. And he was here before us. He's here while we're here. He'll be here after we're gone. We're not that big a deal. Then Jesus would complete the idea of redemption, the whole plan. It was prophesied by the Old Testament, Genesis 3 and 15. He's coming. The prophets would say, hey, the Messiah is coming. The deliverer is coming. The one who will pay the price. He's coming. He'll make us right with God. And in the New Testament, we see the angels come to Mary and to Joseph and tell Mary, you're going to have a child. And Mary, she's like, how in the world can this be? Well, I'll tell you how it's going to be. The Lord's going to have this happen. And when he has this happen, something's going to happen. He is a beginner. He begins this idea of salvation, and he is a finisher to where in John 19 and 30, he would stand there hanging on the cross, and you would hear the words come out of his mouth, it is finished. He is a finisher of this business of salvation. He is the one who has provided for this. This is amazing. Chapter 1 of Revelation, go to verse 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet. What are you going to do when you see Jesus? You're going to hoot and holler and run a lap? I don't know. We might. It could get good. It will get good. It will be incredible. I don't know what will happen, but this writer says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. I think that's interesting that he placed his right hand on us. Isaiah 41.10, I'll uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Pretty amazing that God talks to us about that, probably a study within itself. And he said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, when you go back to verse 4, when you're coming into the book of Revelation, it says, oh, by the way, grace, what's that? Unmerited favor. And peace. What's that? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Grace and peace be given to you. In other words, you don't have to come in here with all kinds of dread, all kinds of fear, and you don't have to think about all those people of a different political party and of a different ideology and of a different whatever than you that you don't like. And just think about, boy, they're going to get it. No, 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 no. Grace and peace to you. The grace that is amazing has reached you. And the peace of God makes you ready and able to stand here and listen to what's getting ready to happen, he's saying. Grace and peace to you. He said, I am the living one. I was dead and now I am alive. I am alive forever and ever. There'll be no more death from him. I hold the keys. What keys do you have? Here's the keys he has. I have the key to death. That's why we don't fear death. I have the key. We don't want to be there when it happens, but we don't fear death. And the key to hell. 
Are you kidding me? He's letting us know I'm in charge. I'm in charge of all things. This is absolutely powerful. Now, there's still some things that he wants done, even though he is the beginning and the end. There's some things he wants done in between those two bookends of reality. And he wants you and I to be involved in that, you and me. And so here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. You ever think of that? You looked in the mirror this morning and said, oh. And uh, he looked at you and said, yeah. He loves you. He made you. He's good with you. Are you good with you? Love your neighbor, the Bible says, as yourself. You're supposed to respect yourself. You're supposed to love yourself. That's not arrogant love. That's just, okay, this is who he's made. I'm all right with that. I can do this, this thing called, you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He knew you'd be here in this generation. He knew you'd be here in this season of the world. He knew everything that was going to be happening, and he put you here anyway. How about he put you here on purpose? You have a purpose, his purpose, and he lives it out through you. Some of you are involved in public life and others in maybe more of a private life, but wherever you are, you're his ambassador, here to do the work that God has called you to do. In John, uh, excuse me, in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, Jesus is talking about the end of time and he's talking about the future and, and he's talking about really when he goes away and he says this, this is important for us to understand. He says, I want you to occupy until I come. What's he talking about there? I want you to occupy. What's that mean? I want you to stay faithful. I want you to stay steady. I want you to be alert. I want you to be vigilant. I want you to be on task. I want you to occupy. Well, how long am I supposed to do that? Until I come, until I return. And this is what he wants for every one of us. He wants us to occupy until he comes. So that's why we're gathered here today. We're gathered here to encourage one another. We're gathered here to worship him. We're gathered here that we might be able to learn something and grow in some way and to be able to develop in something and to enjoy the journey that he has called us to experience in this life. This is what he has called us to do today. This is absolutely powerful. We can do it. The mission of our church is to present Jesus Christ to people in a relevant way. And that's what we seek to do. The denomination has asked us to help out in the areas of multiplication, multiplication of disciples as followers of Christ. Let your light shine wherever you go. And right now, our world needs it more than any time before. Wherever you go, let your light shine. And to also to set up other churches wherever we can go. And during COVID and during all this time, the denomination set up many more churches, not stopped by this which has happened. And you know what? We're a part of that. And we can be a part of that going forward, maybe even into your neighborhood or to your region or who knows, your home might be a place where we can do. We don't know where all God will lead us. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says it this way, God is the one who began this good work in you, and I am certain he won't stop before it is complete on the day that Christ Jesus returns. I saw somebody and talked to him out in the lobby last week, and they said to me, you know, I was close to God back here in my life, and I cooled off in my relationship with God, and then over the last few months, I'm starting to reconnect with God in a beautiful way. And I looked at them and I quoted this very verse to them. He who began a good work in you, he's going to be able to be faithful to complete it until the day Jesus Christ returned. Don't stop. Don't give up. And somebody sitting here today may need to hear the same thing. Maybe you feel like you've cooled off or maybe you feel like you've strayed. Don't stop. 
Get up. Let's keep going in him. And then notice what else it says here in the passage. It says, he is currently, he was in the past, and he is to come in the future. Good things have happened in the past. Good things are happening now. Good things are going to happen in the future. The Amplified Translation puts it this way. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever, who was continually existing in the past, who is to come, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the Ruler of all. And look at what verse 7 of your passage says. Look. He is coming. He is coming, it says. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it ever be. Amen. In the scriptures, throughout different portions of the Old Testament and in the New, it begins to give us just a little window into what's going to happen down the line. And I think we are living in the times that can be labeled in time for sure. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first when Jesus Christ returns. So that is all of our loved ones that have died, that have trusted in Him. Many from this congregation, many loved ones you've had, many loved ones I've had, all of our loved ones that have died in Christ, they're going to rise in the resurrection then. And then what's going to happen? And then we who are alive and remain, who are trusting in Christ, we're going to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. He's not coming back to set up his kingdom at that point. That's the part we know is the rapture. It's a part we know where we get caught up and we go into heaven. Now, you wouldn't go there if you weren't a Christian, so you already understand that part of the judgment would be through. But then he judges us based on what we've done in this life. What do you do with the gifts and abilities that he gave to you? And then he begins to give assignments out, how you'll reign with him. And while we're doing that, I believe we understand the scripture to indicate this. Some have different ways of expressing this, but this is what I would understand the scripture to be saying to us. There is going to be a period that is going to open up as a period known as a seven-year tribulation, and it will happen on this earth. It will happen even in Cherryville and where you live and where any of you live that are watching us today, your country, your town, your area. And during the first three and a half years, there's going to be a lot of difference on the earth. Just think about it. All of us who have trusted in Christ are going to be gone. Every one of us will be gone. Do you realize the people you affect and impact? I bet you don't realize the number of people you impact and affect. But you're going to be gone, and they will be impacted, and they will be affected. And it's going to be an unbelievable time. It's going to be an unusual time whenever that happens. And it's just ahead. It's just ahead. You can hardly imagine but it's going to happen. And then there's going to be the Antichrist. Right now, the spirit of the Antichrist exists among us. Anti means against. Christ, of course, means the anointed Messiah. So they're against Christ. All the teachings, all the hatred, all the vitriol, all the persecuting of believers, all the people who are passively resisting him. I feel sorry for them. 
I heard a news anchor the other day on a particular broadcast I won't mention, but he was talking about how foolish it was to believe in the Bible, how crazy it was to believe in the miracles, and how we are stupid to believe that. I couldn't believe it. He finds himself in the last part of verse 7, he will mourn because of Christ and his return. So I stopped in my car when I was thinking about that, and I said, God, help him. Let some way, let him see the good news of Jesus Christ. He needs you so bad you died for him. Please reach out to him. How do you pray for those people? I don't want to throw a stone at him. I don't like what he was saying, but at the same time, he must come to the awareness of the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why we're going into these other towns. That's why we're broadcasting today as we are. It's why we're doing what we're doing. The Antichrist is a person then during that tribulation. And you have the beast. Some people have asked me if the COVID shot was the mark of the beast. And I said, no. I don't believe it is. They asked me, you say what you want, but I don't believe it is. And uh, there will be a mark of the beast that will be necessary for commerce and trade, I believe, in the tribulation. And then there is a false prophet. The role of the false prophet is he's false, prophet, prophetic, speaking forth. He is a false prophet telling everybody, you need to trust the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, about three and a half years in, though there's been some order of calm or semblance of of reasonableness that has been reestablished on the earth, he comes out on the temple and he says, hey, worship me. And the false prophet says, you need to worship him. And the last three and a half years are going to be absolute hell on earth. You think it's been bad during COVID? It's nothing. It's not even a warm-up compared to what would be during that time. And then Christ is going to return. And that's what I think is happening in verse 7 of this passage. This is when that is talking about. Because everybody's going to see him. I don't think it's a secret rapture the first time, but it's the believer rapture. And I believe when he comes now, in the second advent, he's coming to earth. And he's not coming as a baby in a manger. And he's not coming to take a cross. He's coming to take the throne. And here's where he's going to rule forever. And the people that rejected him are going to absolutely be in mourning because they're going to realize through his holiness and through his strength and through his purity and through all of the attributes that are God, Jesus Christ embodies them. And as he is there, how in the world would the created ever stand against the creator in that moment? It will be impossible. This is where the scripture says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of the Father. What are they going to confess? They're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's nothing you and I can do about the fact that God has appointed him to be Lord. The only thing you and I can do is determine when we receive him as Lord. Will we do it now or will we do it then when it's too late? We do it now and we receive him as our Lord and as our Savior. Second Corinthians talks to us in chapter 6 and verse 2, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. When is his favor? When is his salvation? Okay, I'm glad you asked. The scripture answers. I tell you, now is a time of God's favor. Now is a day of salvation. Right now is a time for that. And I've echoed it many times to you, but Revelation says to us 
that at the last, whenever Christ has come back and set up the kingdom and we have reigned with him for a thousand years, there's a short time Satan would be loose to deceive even the elect. And after that, oh man, it gets really good. He, false prophet, antichrist are cast into the lake of fire, which burns forever and forever. I just want to tell you, no matter if it's popular or not popular, cool or not cool, in vogue, out of vogue, I don't care. You want to be on God's team, on Christ's team. You want to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, because you win in the end. You flat out win with him, and together we will reign with him forever. Have you accepted Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? He is the great I am. That's who he is. He's the great I am. He's not just some little figurine. He's not some statue in a church. He's way more than that. They may be symbols and important, but let me tell you something. He's way more than that. He is the living Lord. I am the resurrected he said. Max Lucado has written a lot of books. Perhaps you've read some from him. Perhaps he's a new name to you and you want to read some of his books. Max Lucado wrote in one of his books about a missionary who went into Brazil. And when the missionary went into Brazil, this missionary had the task of going into some remote villages. And going into the remote villages met up with all kinds of unique circumstances in one place he went. They had been ravaged by a disease. And the missionary knew the area better than the people did, evidently, because he told him there's a hospital not far from here and you could get help if you would just simply go there. And they said, we won't go there because there's a river between us and there and we believe that the river is evil. If we get in the river, bad things will happen to us. They were not willing to risk crossing that river but stay there and risk dying from the disease. What are you willing to hold on to in your life? What idea, what teaching, what fear do you hold on to? What feeling do you go for that would cause you to not embrace Christ? I don't know that. You do. You do. You've got to let go of those things to be able to embrace Christ. And you can. You can do that. So the missionary went over to the water and he started splashing with his hand in the water. And he said, it's not bothering me. And they said, we don't believe you. He then splashed it on his face. He said, see. And they said, that's not enough. He walked into the water up to his waist. And he said, it won't hurt you. And the hospital is just down the way. We can get you help. And they said, we don't believe you. Evil things are going to happen to you. Then he dove under the water and began to swim across the water with every part of himself under the water. And he came up on the other side of the river, looked back and raised his hands in triumph. And they began to applaud because they realized it didn't happen to him. He made it okay. We've been fed a line. What have you been fed? And on the other side, they said, wow. And they were able to go to the hospital and find the help. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. Left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross, came up on the other side with resurrection. And because he lives, we shall live also. He is the great I am. Jesus, thank you for being with us today in this setting, in this service. Thank you for everyone who is here.
everyone that might be watching, those out in the parking lot, those in the lobby, many people hearing the message today. We don't know exactly what you're wanting to say to everyone, but we know that you are offering salvation to all. And you said today is a day of salvation. So, Lord, I pray that you would help anyone who is here who is seeking you to be able to open their heart to you right now. And just right where they're sitting to be able to confess their sin and trust you as Savior. You said anyone who would do that, you would not cast away. Help those of us that maybe have been kind of waffling in our faith and drifting just a bit to be able to renew that commitment and connection with you today. That we might not allow ourselves that distance. Help some who maybe maybe have really gone away from you to come all the way back to you through a confession, an admission, a repentance of the guilt, a turning from the sin, an embracing of the truth of yourself. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Christ's name.